I get what you mean, man. I mean, fuck. Like the guy with the flute, man. It would have followed you anywhere. Anywhere. I have a flute. Like in the movie, man. Yeah. Yeah, they'd all follow me uh, to the river, huh? And jump in. I don't know. Yeah, they probably would, man. You know, if you're gonna lead people, you have to have somewhere to go. of Mex Flentayo. It's the fifth episode. Um, and, of course, as always, it's me, the true outlaw of comics, Ramon Villalobos. And with me, as always, uh, my boy, Daniel Irizarri. What's up? And this week, we have a very special guest. Um, he's got a YouTube channel called The Armchair Auteur. He's the resident Mex Flentayo film critic we needed one so we got one <laughs> you know we got the best and uh it's a buddy of mine who i met blo- uh from his blog a long time ago i used to read it and we just became friends for a long time now uh back from my posting days and uh yeah he's formerly captain fuck now all new dom <laughs> dom griffin welcome to the show hey thanks for having me man. thanks yeah how's it going man pretty good i think pretty good yeah, so uh, I talked to you earlier this week about doing the show, and I figured, like, I wanted to do a movie since the Zack Snyder cut is coming up. That sort of is, like, the linchpin of all of this, you know? Like, the thing that, like, if this didn't happen, we couldn't get to this moment we're in now where people are, like, breathlessly waiting for this new, you know, Zack Snyder cut. And so I thought, you know, you have to go back to the very beginning, and to me... The very beginning is Robert Rodriguez's Sin City. Because without that, there's no 300 by Zack Snyder. Without that, he doesn't get in at Warner Brothers to make The Watchmen with Zack Snyder. Then he doesn't do Man of Steel. Then he doesn't do the other fucking movies that he does. And then, uh, yeah, now, now you know, that's the, that's the origin point. And you seem to agree with me on that, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is... A uh, really interesting moment in the superhero, well, not superhero, but comic book adaptation movie lineage in the sense that, you know, it's like the first time anyone really literally tried to translate the book on screen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is the beginning of that. And it's kind of sad that there's not more movies specifically like this. Yeah. But I think this was, like, really important in kind of changing the perception of comics as, like, a, an adaptable medium. Yeah, I think, like, before that, you had people that would be, like, kind of patronizing about translating comics to film like even when they were artistic about it like i think i think dick tracy is like super artistic it's super like interesting movie to watch but it it does things where it's like it's kitschy and there's nothing really about sin city that's like 
kitschy. It's all like super, super serious. Well, yeah, you can't, like, you can't see me, was... but I'm completely agreeing. <laughs> but I would, I would disagree that this is actually a superhero movie. Some of the stuff that happens in this, it's it. The only way to explain it is that they're superheroes. Yeah, I. So the other thing that really gets me about this movie is it was one of the first times where I feel like the characters in the movie feel bigger than the actors, which is like a huge shift in, I think, the way we, like, we view these characters in media now. Like, you know, you wouldn't call Sin City a Mickey Rourke movie, you know, even though it's basically just about Marv and, uh, and like, Mickey Rourke plays him, you know? Yeah, you end up referring to Marv more often. I was doing that funny thing where, like, you just refer to the characters as the actors, but more and more I was like, Marv is insane. Yeah, the only one that I don't really break that with is Bruce Willis, because he's just, like, extremely Bruce yeah. Willis in this movie. He's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, Jessica and Jessica Alba. Yeah, and Jessica Alba. She's just Jessica Alba in anything she plays. Yeah. Um... But I mean, like this is this is a movie where p- these dudes had like prosthetics to look like just regular guys. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they didn't they didn't really need to do that. They didn't need to CGI anybody up, but they did it because they wanted. They were so respectful of the art and the comic. And before that, it would be like you're not watching Daredevil. You're watching Ben Affleck in Daredevil, and you're not like all the Batman before that. It's like George Clooney, Val Kilmer, Michael Keaton. Those guys are always bigger. Than that, but like, you know, even Christian Bale, I don't think like after this movie is that much more like as it goes on, he matters less. Like the guy inside of that, and it like really be- begins where like uh, the moment where the media, the IP, is bigger than the actors and the people making the movies, which is mm-hmm. fascinating because it's an independent comic where it's just like you know Frank Miller hated Hollywood so much hated working in that system that he just like went to his basement and like made this fucked up comic about you know guys and dusters having sex with prostitutes and strippers in in a way it kind of feels like sin city was made as like well no one's gonna try to turn this into a movie i'm just doing whatever the fuck i want and (laughs) then someone else who likes to do just whatever the fuck he wants was like oh i'll just do exactly this in movie form yeah part of it no it, it uh I, I agree completely in, in the sense that this is a, like a precursor to a lot of modern films, but also in like the way it is uh, composited, uh, like this whole function of uh, all these actors being pieces, objects that uh, Robert Rodriguez eventually like composed into all the shots. What's, yeah, it's interesting in, in the sense that like, we were talking about how nowadays, like, all these actors are less important than the characters they're playing. Like, Chris Pratt is less important than, like, Star-Lord or whatever. But in the sense of all the newer movies, it's they just pick actors who aren't bankable stars yet because they're cheaper and they're more, like, easy to manipulate from, like, a, a studio perspective. And that's how they become, like, these the faces for these, these big characters. Yeah. But I feel like in Sin City, Robert Rodriguez actually just really, really smartly cast all these parts... And everyone involved was really humble and was, like, happy to be in service of bringing Frank's characters to life. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, like, nowadays if you watch, like, a Marvel movie and someone's in it that's, like, sort of a name. They've been in, like, two indie movies and now they get to be, like, a background villain or something. Yeah, they're not these indentured actors. 
Yeah, yeah. Here, this is like these are guys who are like these are uh, all these people are big names or respectable actors who are like, oh, this is fun. I'm down for like doing my part. None of them seem like they're slumming it, or none of them seem like they're just here for a Disney check. Like they're all like actually kind of having fun. It's funny because I just watched JFK, uh, the Oliver Stone movie, and it was yeah. similar where they just like an insane cast. Like everybody is just like putting in crazy performances for like a story that's like kind of a like a deranged version of like the JFK conspiracy where it's just like, what if a bunch of homosexuals like killed the president? (laughs) (laughs) And so like, this is, and this is like kind of similar, which is like, okay, we have some of the best actors in the world. Some of the biggest actors in the world, we're going to get them together. And what are they going to make? Just like this crazy, like, uh, this crazy fucking story about, you know, a cabal, this family that's not that important that is running the city and, like, like basically using their power to just fund pedophiles and serial killer cannibalists. It, it feels like an art project, for, for real. <laughs> it's so wild that they that they made it, and that they made it just, like, you know, they were just, like, chilling. They just did it, went in a green screen and just, like, made this movie real quick. It wasn't like JFK, and that's just this major epic that, you know, is a three-hour-long movie and costs billions of dollars to fucking recreate the city of dallas it was nuts like i was i was listening to this interview uh elijah wood was he was basically there for filming only two days yeah i think britney Britney murphy film r.i.p britney murphy legend she filmed all of her stuff in just one day like it is you're totally right dom it's like all these actors are like yeah that'd be fun like i'll do that and it's it wasn't like in in some like weird strategy of like okay how do I bank my career out of this? You know what I mean? <laughs> how do I turn talking to a raccoon into my entire career now? It's like, yeah, like how do I how do I use this to like make it my brand, which is what a lot of these people are doing. The you know? closest thing to this attitude is like the way Vin Diesel plays Groot, where he can just like go in a day and just say, I am Groot. Yeah, but it's different and, it's different though because out. this is his life now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you signed <laughs> that you signed left. that check. And you're like, yeah, I agreed to do this, um, and in return for the money, I will, like, you know, like Mark Ruffalo, like, he has a great gig on that on those Avengers movies. He just, like, goes in, does his little suit stuff, gets that fun, but doesn't have to, like, get insanely buff or anything. Like, he didn't have to give his body to Love this that. to this endeavor. But he still has to, like, when, when it turns out one of those dudes is racist, be like, yeah, I support that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? He's a nice guy. You haven't met him. Yeah. We're contracted to be on screen together 14 more times. So, so yeah, what am I going to say? Like, fuck him? No, I'm going to say he's a great dude. <laughs> like, all these people, yeah, they don't, like, you know. It's, it's weird to say that it feels less predatory, the working relationship between the actors in the movie, when it's a Harvey Weinstein movie. But, <laughs> yeah. however, yeah. it feels less grimy when I'm watching this. Than the Avengers. Yeah, the filming of this movie feels way more fun. As like as I'm watching it, like as I as I kept watching it, I you could tell that these guys were having the time of their lives. Yeah. So uh I mean let's get into it. Let's just start talking about the movie, the plot and everything, and then we'll just kinda like pick apart things that we love, we don't love. I mean, spoiler alert, I pretty much love this whole movie. <laughs> There's I I appreciate it. This is gonna be a little bit like our all star Batman conversation where it is so over the top that i can appreciate it now yeah Um, where do you land on this movie dom just like well i I happen i really love sin city but it's funny that you mentioned all-star batman and robin because this time when i was rewatching it 
I just remember thinking, like, man, it'd be so tight if they did this exact thing, but with All-Star. Yeah. Like, if, if Robert Rodriguez specifically figured out a way to, like, have actors look more like Jim Lee drawings and just recreate <laughs> all that stuff shot for shot. I mean, like, Zack Snyder released the Lee cut of Batman and Robin. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we really need. That's what I, I think want. it's a dope movie. My, my, like, connection to this movie is really funny in the sense that, like, when it first came out, I was, like, the first person I knew who knew about it. Because I'd had, like... Uh. Almost every Sin City graphic novel I had, I was a pretty big Frank Miller fan at the time, and I was the one that told all my friends it was happening when I first saw, like, the first, like, footage and stuff like that. But then when the movie came out, and me and a bunch of friends went to go see it, I didn't have my ID with me, and it was an R-rated movie, and they were carding, so I wouldn't, I couldn't get in. Oh, no. So all of my friends got into the movie, and they saw it and loved it, and I went down the hall and watched Woody Allen's Melinda and Melinda, which is the only, <laughs> which is the only Again, Woody wild. Allen movie that features a black speaking role. It's Chiwetel Ejiofor is in it. And we went to Taco Bell afterwards to like talk about the movie, not me, obviously, and there was a table full that of hurts. like small baseball-playing children who all got into the movie because their coach took them in. So there was like <laughs> literal ten year olds talking. About, I was like seventeen or eighteen. I was like old enough to watch the fucking movie. I just didn't have, like I couldn't prove Getting it. Owned by the by the kids. Kids being like, "Marv is so cool." I'm like, "You fuckers!" Like, <laughs> but Dom, you were a theater. Damn. Owner. So those kids saw like the Marv scenes, like Lucille in the bathroom. Yeah, like, and the they were all with their coach, coach, who was like, "Yeah, this is great. Like, this is I'm taking a bunch of children to see Sin City." <laughs> Dom, you were a theater owner. If you're there, do you let that? Do you let young Dom in? Okay, so I actually <laughs> – no, it's funny because I actually did used to run into this because sometimes we would let um, – like at the, the last theater I worked at, we, we played mainstream movies, and I would – there were some neighborhood kids whose mom would just drop them off. Like, mm-hmm. just like, I don't want to be around you. Like, here's some money. Go watch a movie. And the only movies we were playing were things they couldn't really get into. And I'm not going like, to tell these kids to go like – into the streets. Go buy some drugs. Yeah, I'm like, fuck it. You know, if you guys want to stay here and watch this shitty Jennifer Lawrence movie, you can do that, you know? And, like, uh, the mom never minded. The kids didn't cause any trouble, but occasionally I would just get some uppity white dude who would be like, there's a child in there. I'm like, well, it's PG-13, and, like, I don't know know what you want me to tell you. Like, he's not... There's no... No one dies in this movie. He's not watching any, any, like, (laughs) hardcore sex scenes. Like, he's fine. And like, wow. You're, like, the parental guidance there. (laughs) Yeah, it was was basically having to be like, look, Look, you care more about this than this kid's fucking parents do, so, like, you can talk to, like, CPS or something, dude. I don't care. I watched Goodfellas when I was eight, and I turned out okay, so, like, it's fine. Uh, Do you have any other managers that are above you that I can uh, cause a problem with? When I was younger, when my mom wanted to teach me to, like, not do drugs, she, like, woke me up out of bed to watch the Pulp Fiction scene where they stabbed uh, Mia in the heart with the syringe. And I was like, whoa. She's like, yeah, don't do drugs. That'll do it. I was like, okay. You know what? Your mom wakes you up and she says, like, that's marijuana. I mean, I I would have thought, like, that's drugs? I'm not doing that. I don't want any part of it. And you know what? I've never touched a joint. You know what I mean? I've never done anything. Pure. You're you're straight edge. Yeah, my whole life. Thanks, mom. Are there any movies that you remember from, like, being a kid that are super wild that you, like, when you watch it now... Being like, oh, that would have had a profound impact on me, and I did not understand what was happening in this. Uh, kind of. I mean, like, I've watched, I when I was a kid, I watched a lot of movies for adults, because, like, at the time, I didn't have, like, any siblings or cousins. Yeah. Like, I was always the only kid around, and often people were just watching, like, John Travolta movies and stuff. Uh, but, like, when I was a kid, my mom would let me watch adult movies, 
like movies with adults in them, not like porn. She would like if I had questions and stuff, like I was an inquisitive kid, she would just explain shit to me. Yeah, so like same. very few movies that I watched when I was little did I like not get, if that makes sense. Like in in general there were movies that I saw maybe too young that stuck with me, and then as an adult, like they, they're different, but it's never been like Oh, that's what that was about? Like, cause she would just tell me. She would just be like, oh, that's what this is happening. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, oh, it's Vietnam flashbacks. <laughs> if I had questions, my mom would tell me, but I always feel like I tried to be like, a, you know, I got it. I got it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> we watched, I remember, I recently watched I Like It Like That. Have you ever seen that movie? No, I don't think so. I Like It Like That was made by, I can't remember the director's name, but it was like Spike Lee's friend in the 90s. And it was like, basically like, Puerto Rican do the right thing, basically. It's it's very good, and it's got Ramon. You've been trying to you've been trying to like find culture to like connect, <laughs> figure out figure out my brain. I mean, you you're not a New Yorkerian, so I don't really understand. Yeah, no, it definitely doesn't count. This is, doesn't count for me. But it was like you know Latino, like young Latino uh, people. My mom loved it. There was like a few movies when I was younger. There were like young Latino people in it, and I've seen them like a thousand times now. And do the right thing was one of them. It's on Amazon Prime. You should uh, check it out. Um, it's pretty yeah, good, yeah, but well, it's, I can't remember what the guy did. But it's basically like it opens up with uh, this young like couple. They're trying to like, uh, I mean, they're fucking and they're trying to like uh, like get off, and they just can't do it. And everybody in the neighborhood can hear them and are like cheering them on to like you know make it happen. And they just they can't do it. They just they. They're burdened by having sex too much. <laughs> That's like way too adult. It, like when you mentioned the the question in my mind, what came up was like the first Ace Ventura. Yeah, of course I saw that. It's a banger. Way raunchier than transphobic. I, I denounced like, it when I saw it, but incredibly transphobic. But like, there's that first scene where like uh, his the the prize that they give him for something is like a blowjob. Yeah. And he has to like grab onto some railing or something. <laughs> even, and as a that. kid, that was so funny to me. I had no idea that that's what that meant. Yeah, <laughs> it was like he was getting really tickled <laughs> below the camera. See, I don't even remember that he got head in that movie. I just know that it's hilarious, and I probably did laugh because of his face. That's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was. It was Jim Carrey doing funny faces and moving his hips wildly. So, uh, yeah, and going back to the theater thing. It's funny because I remember my buddy worked at a theater when Watchmen came out and he had to give refunds from this lady who was just irate that they were, that, that her daughter saw a blue penis. Oh my God. So, I, I remember that was like such a hot moment. Like when he came, he's like, oh man, you won't believe what happened yesterday. And he, you know, he told me cause he knew I was psyched about Watchmen. Um, and yeah, he was just like, it's been a nightmare. He's like, people have just been complaining this one lady demanded a refund. Um, well, that's the superhero curse. That's uh, after that, you just couldn't have anything interesting happen in a superhero movie. <laughs> um, but anyways, let's get back to Sin City. <laughs> we're talking about back to the main event. Yeah. The... So yeah, it opens up with the Josh Hartnett and some pretty woman. I don't know who, who it was. Do you remember? There's so many blonde women in this movie that my mind is kind of like at a certain point. If it's not like if they don't rise above the like a certain level of like notoriety, I'm just like a a pretty woman. You know who it was? Yeah, Yeah, it's Marley. Intro pretty woman. She was uh, the female lead in Planet Terror as well. That's right. Oh, okay. The the 
the lady with the uh, shringes. Yeah, yeah. Dude, she was so good in that movie. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, was... she's good in this for her like thirty seconds of screen time. I think this opening scene is actually uh, they shot this as like a test to show that yeah. like the movie would work. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, he shot it. He he shot it to prove to Frank Miller that it would work, so that Frank Miller would agree to do it with him. Like he brought him it seems out like a perfume ad. Yeah, well, there was like a literal perfume ad that they, that they uh, there was like a literal perfume ad that Frank Miller shot for. I can't remember who, but you don't remember that. I th- I, I, I that okay, then that makes sense because as I was seeing it, I was like, this feels like I've seen this, and it just ends with a perfume. Yeah, there was literally like a perfume ad that they that they basically redid this for, but uh, Josh Hartnett. Um, like shout out to Josh Hartnett. Frank Miller shows he up. Had a moment. <laughs> Frank Miller shows up on the set, and he's expecting it to be like you know two random people like you know stand-ins or whatever. And he gets there, and it's like yeah, he's like two esteemed actors, like actual actors, and they film it. And then I guess they had his like you know his uh his people do like the cities and everything, and then they use that basically to get everybody else on board, right? Like I think I read that. Uh, like a proof of concept. Yeah, that yeah, like Benicio del Toro yeah. saw that and was like, "Oh hell yeah, I'll do that." Benicio del Toro was like, "Yeah, I will do that." <laughs> Dude, I, <laughs> don't yeah, get ahead of ourselves. That. That, Benicio might be my favorite person in this entire movie. <laughs> amazing, amazing performance. Uh, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're the, uh, angel. Yeah, We're so the, the angel of death, Hartnett. Yeah, a, Josh Hartnett. He was having a moment. He got rid of his haircut, which I wish he didn't, but I get it because he's pro- he's being a smooth guy in this one. Does he still have the unibrow to this day? Does anyone know if he has it? Nah, I think he, he still has the unibrow, but he hasn't had like the kind of like the, the iconic Josh Hartnett like evolved like bowl cut in years. That's like that's, mm. that's that was iconic. Name. Shout out to the faci- to the faculty. Another great Hartnett Rodriguez collab. Maybe in my top seven favorite horror movies of all time. Yeah, movies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> One thing I noticed, too, that was really funny was when they open with these credits, like, I'm used to 2020, you see a superhero movie, or any movie, really, and the credits are, like, exciting, and it, like, nuts. In this, it's like a slideshow that, like, Robert yeah, Rodriguez, really like, scored names. himself on a guitar. And, like, you know, it does the job, and you get to see all the cool Frank Miller drags, but it just made me laugh, like, it's such a quaint... Impact font. It's such a quaint <laughs> time period, like, oh, yeah, like, we didn't need to do all that, like... And in fact, like, I kind of wish there were no, like, I wish that wasn't even there. I wish it just, like, went to Sin City, cut to Marv. But, you know, I get it, because you want to let people know, like, oh, yeah, like, you're in for a treat. There's, like, a thousand actors I felt like they movie. kept that from the from the proof of concept original. Oh, that's uh, probably what it was. Or, original working project. Yeah, that's probably what it was. It was just, like, oh, we're going to have all these people. Because, like, I think Bruce Willis was in that. Like, his name was listed in it when they showed it to him. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, it sounds good. It looks good there. I'll I'm already it. on the credits. So, yeah, this movie opens up. I forgot it opened up with Bruce Willis. Like, I thought we yeah, go no, straight the, to Marv, the... but it starts out with the flashback to Bruce Willis. And, you know, they're building on this, like, he's the only good cop, like, myth. You know, all we, as we all know, all cops are bastards. But this movie... This movie proves it. <laughs> no. But wait. No, 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 no. Bruce Willis is a noble man in this movie. He's just trying to help this young girl. But what I love about it is, like I said, I just watched JFK. And it's about this deranged, like, prosecutor who's, like, you know, 
he's right. Like, JFK was assassinated by the government, but he's just wrong about why and how. Like, he's absolutely right that they kidnapped this girl. But, like, his reasoning seems so fucked up when you watch this movie. And it seems like he really, really has a thing for a child. And, like, he's... And, like, his thing is, like, he's saying everybody else is pedophiles. And I'm like, yeah, but, bro, yeah, take a yeah. look yeah. in the mirror. <laughs> like, you're obsessed yeah, with like, this child. I, I, I didn't get into it in my notes until, like, the reprise of the, of the Bruce Willis storyline. Like in, in this, like in the intro, it's still technically all nice and and he's talking about he's got to save a little girl, like and he's and she's out there and I gotta save her, but I like and and that's and that's fine, but like once we get back and that little girl is Jessica Alba, disgusting. Yeah, it definitely gets off the rails. She's supposed to be nineteen, right, yeah. in that movie? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, she's a babe oh, at, at any age, I'm sure, but she I love does everything look 19. About, I love everything about the narration uh, in this just opening, just in general, the narration, but Bruce Lee, uh, Bruce Lee, Bruce Willis, he has a, a bum ticker. <laughs> like, there, there's some phrases that are perfect in the sense that, like, the first line that somebody says to, to Bruce Willis is like, damn it, Hardigan. Like, <laughs> that's, it's. It's perfect. Yeah, it's uh, that, that's Michael Madsen, of course, that, in that role. And he, Michael uh, Madsen, the yes. partner. He was literally just like, he was hanging out with uh, Robert Rodriguez when Robert Rodriguez was scoring, like, the Kill Bill stuff. Or they were, they were together for some reason. And uh, he was like, oh, I'm not into the Sin City thing? And Robert Rodriguez was like, well, I don't really have any roles left except for this guy. Do you want it? He goes, yeah, I'll do that. Like, that's literally how he got cast, was just like, oh, so I'm not going to be in your fucking Sin City movie? That's crazy. It's like, ah, oh, I'm not going to be in it. He probably shot his shit in, like, a day. That's so cool to just be like, I want to show up for, like, a day of work. And I'm, like, <laughs> actually sort of an integral part of this movie. Yeah. And, uh, I, I love, I've always part. loved Michael Madsen, because, like, I grew up with him as, like, a surrogate father in Free Willy. <laughs> I remember he paid so much yeah, attention no, to that boy. Just him with, like, a cowboy hat. I always remember that he, you know, his, he, uh... He knew that that boy loved the color blue, so he just got him like blue everything. His whole room was blued out. He was, that little kid was cripping in Free Willy. <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, like it's kind of funny though. Like in 2020, there's this cop who's like, you know, he's having a literal heart attack and he's just like downing pills, running down dark alleyways trying to find like a set. He believes a senator is, like, sheltering a pedophile. Like, this is basically, like, uh, uh, if Q, like, QAnon, was, like, a, had, like, a superhero, like, myth for them. Like, he, because he's right, they, also. They wrote this movie. What's up? It's like, what if they wrote this movie? At least the Hardigan part. Yeah. Because this yes. movie is all he, about, like, there's all these elites, there's one good guy, he's a policeman, there's one good policeman, everybody else is like, bro, just, like, relax like they're all crazy but it's your last day of work but it turns just... out though that he's right because nick stall shows up and he's got it's like a gun or a blade to nancy's throat little nancy and yeah bruce willis just starts tripping he's just like bro like i'm mad about this and then he like shoots off his dick which like is the first in many genital mutilation scenes in this movie that really cuts to the core of like what it's about which is just like 
it, it's it's such a perfect 2020 movie because it's about like this masculinity that's like leaving America America's hands. You know what I mean? Like in in like a, like you guys said before the podcast, like a very incelly way, where it's like, damn, this dude Hardigan's an alpha. He has a wife, kids. You know what I mean? He's just trying to do the right thing mm-hmm. for this little girl. And, you know, all these fucking... He's thinking about this little girl like like his daughter. Like, he's say, risk rescuing his daughter. Hardigan's like a strong, hard guy with, like, a five o'clock shadow, a scar on his fucking face. He's been through shit. He's lived. He's a real man. Nick Stahl, little fuckboy. Not cool. Little boy, weak. weak. And yet, he's the one who gets to fuck Nancy. That, you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> like, absolutely fucked. And it's, it's like, it's so like deprogrammed and it's like, it's exactly to this moment. First of all, because everybody's obsessed with pedophiles. Like I get it. Pedophiles are bad, but like you would think that there's like one pedophile for every five people. This is not, that, it's not that deep. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, it's, it's practically everyone here. It's, it's sort of one of the only things that like, if you want to disparage a group of people that you already are like predisposed to not liking the most inarguable evil thing they could do is like fuck a kid so it's like assuming someone you hate or you've been programmed to hate is a pedophile is your easiest out for like dehumanizing them because it's like oh everyone can agree that kid fuckers should go to jail or die you know what i mean 100 percent. and i think because shit is so polarized you get a situation like that movie that came on netflix what that shit called cuties or whatever that's you talking about like the cuties controversy you get a situation like that where like no matter what side of the aisle of like this debate I mean, of like you know left or right everybody was like that movie's fucked up and nobody saw it <laughs> like of that we're saying that like i saw you know i saw all kinds of like different types of people that were just like thrashing it because it was criticizing the culture that they think that they're endorsing yeah and like no one even bothered to like engage with it like i remember when that discourse started it was just people being mad that netflix would use such like suggestive thumbnails because the movie's actual poster didn't look like that. Yeah. And I thought that's what the discourse was about. And then, like, a week later, I saw it had, like, grown in, like, a Petri dish and, like, became worse. And I was like, wait, they're they're actually mad about this? <laughs> uh, and they were. They were, like, really big mad. You, you know it, it gets bad when you start to see the movie Cuties in, like, slideshows and photo albums and Facebook for... Uh, to explain how the Illuminati exists, and it's like a picture of George Soros, and then you next picture is cuties, and then they have like a circle on like some kind of like eye, <laughs> like it's that it, kind of level. It's Q and You know what I mean? It's Q cuties yeah. with a Q. <laughs> These wow. people are psychos, dude. They all just think pedophiles are everywhere, and Hardigan is one of them. <laughs> but yeah, Har- he's but, right. But the film. But the film it makes him right. Yeah, the it film indulged, well, creates, the, well, the comic book uh, in, and the film make him right because the movie is just the book. Yeah, and and uh, the way the this character evolves into the that fucking yellow disgusting bastard, it, it like double proves it. Yeah, like it creates the absolute most vile character. That justifies all violence done to him. Well, we'll we'll get to that part, but uh, I think that I think that it's interesting though because it really does play off like, you know, this is a man who is in the system who sees that it's corrupt, sees that it's wrong, and it's it's a uh, you know he's he's proven right, 
but they just go so so far to make him right and it's like it just speaks to i think the id of like these like you know crazy americans that that see themselves in that but the movie's just like 15 years early to that moment you know what i mean well what's interesting too is it's like frank miller isn't trying to make any kind of like commentary about something like that i think it's really like he's painting in such sort of broad strokes and everything is such like obvious over the top extremes that it's like all the good guys are like tough real men who drink and like cars and then all the villains are either pedophiles or cannibals or ritually people or and both. it really is Abu- abusers yeah or, or or abusers it's like the most basic obvious type of villains that's like you really can't argue with that like there's no one that gets killed in this movie that you're like Eh, I'm on the fence there. You know, like a lot of really good, a lot of really good film noir is about like nuance and sort of like a gray area between good and evil and right and wrong. And Sin City is not. Sin City is just right. like this guy's a cannibal. You're either fucking with me or you're with the pedophiles. Yeah, it's, I, uh, it's, there, there. Yeah, there's no gray. It's all just high contrast. It's black and white. Like we, we got it. Pedophile, <laughs> bad. Good guy, good. He's good. So, anyways, he uh, gets shot a bunch. And passes out. Yeah. And Michael Madsen double double crosses Bruce Willis. His boy. And it, it that this is this is when the the first time that I like cackle out loud during the film because you get like the most ridiculous gunning down of Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis's body is shaking in the most hilarious way as he's getting gunned down, and I'm like they're having a great time. They're having a great time when they're filming this. Because these are like serious actors from serious films, and as they're doing this, all all that could go through my head is like, what's going on in the actor's mind as they're doing this silly like theater? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's that's just how movies are made now. So I guess they were gonna have to get used to that. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly, exactly. This was the the precursor to that. Yeah, I, I love the line that he goes out on where he says, "Old man dies, young girl lives, fair trade." <laughs> just like Frank Miller's just got such a good way with words, and like every Be- once in a while, beautiful Frank Miller repetition. Yeah, uh, he does it again later. It's a good setup. But uh, so, anyways, it goes from that to Marv, and where where I think we had criticisms maybe of like him playing into this idea of like you know this establishment hero, a hero within the establishment. He does not do that with Marv, and that's why I love Marv. This movie would be. I mean, listen, I'm already going to give it a very high ranking at the end of this, but this movie might be an all-time perfect classic if it was literally just the Marv part. <laughs> Maybe expand it by a little bit. Just extend the Marv part just, to two hours. So it starts out, Mickey Rourke, God-level actor, probably his best role. It's either that or uh, the motorcycle the motorcycle boy from Rumble, Rumblefish. You know that one, Dom? Yeah, yeah, the uh, Coppola movie, right? Yeah, I feel like this. I feel like Marv is the Rumble Rumblefish boy grown up. I feel because that's also a black and white movie <laughs> with like colors in it. You know, that actually kind of makes sense. Yeah, and like in that movie, Motorcycle Boy is this like enlightened thug who's like he likes to read books, but he travels or whatever, and he gets into rumbles when when he needs to for his boys. And this is like that guy who's just got the shit kicked out of him his whole life, and he's at the end of his road. He's the toughest most ultimate version of this poetic, sensitive loner. And he wakes up uh, with a dead uh, woman on his bed. Well, I mean, I mean, they at least the film does the courtesy to give you or give teenage me the sex scene, which, which was <laughs> like, 
it, it sets up like it is a sex scene that's so powerful that for the rest of his story, he is basically like the ultimate simp. <laughs> oh, you're feeling like he's the ultimate it simp. It is. No way! It's what that what that what that Goldie that Goldie coochie makes you he, turns you into. How can he be a simp when he's got a chin that fucking lantern? <laughs> you're you're he at your mind. All he thinks about is Goldie from from then on out. He sees Goldie everywhere. He talks to Goldie. Well, yeah, at but all like moments. we'll get into that. But he's okay. Wait, hold on a second. There's a game that we play in our private in our group chat. <laughs> called pimp move or simp move yes this is both plot of this story is marv has to get revenge for the for the woman who he loved that was murdered the night after they had sex that's the that's the entire plot of this story is that a pimp move or a simp move i think that's a pimp move you kill my girl i'll kill your whole family <laughs> I, I think it works because of the fact that like marv's story opens up with him just getting like really bomb sex from a stranger and she's dead <laughs> And he's like, oh, that's fucked up. I gotta fix this. And I think it's just, like, such a... That is Pam. It's, that it's is like, such a pure real? story. It's just like, oh, yeah, it's obvious that now this guy has to go on a revenge quest. We don't even know up, this dude. He wakes up, he's like, are you for real? I gotta, I gotta put on my leather pants, my wife beater, my leather duster, my elegant little cross, and then I'm ready for what war, literally. And then immediately kills, like, 12 cops. <laughs> like, the best. He's the best. That's, what else you do you want that from a movie? You move, Daniel, to kill, like, 12 cops? He's he's waiting. He's casually waiting next to Goldie's like dead breasts <laughs> for the SWAT team to come up. Because her breath stopped moving. And like he he was just watching. You're telling me it's a simp move to just stare at a beautiful set of breasts before you kill cops. That's crazy. He he swears ultimate vengeance <laughs> for her and everything. Like that... everything else that he does is pimp, but it's for a simp reason. You're saying it's it's the, the it's the original simp. Yes. It's not the original sin. Like the horseshoe. And I mean, even Bruce Willis in the in the previous uh story, kind of kind of a, a simp for a ten year old girl. I mean, yeah. But none of us disagree that Bruce Willis sucks. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm yeah. saying Mark so, owns to such a high level that I can't even believe yeah. that you would call him a simp. This is crazy. everything else that he does, pimp. Dumb. The, the busting, busting, like, he doesn't even open the door. He doesn't let the SWAT people open the door. He, like, hulks out of the room. <laughs> it is, like, it that that's the moment when I'm like, oh, this is a superhero movie. Well, yeah, I mean, like, he, that, that, it's funny because, like, he does that. When he starts killing these cops, it's like Robert Rodriguez has such a high level of ability to shoot action stuff that, like, you know, I'll watch, like, the story is almost irrelevant, but, like, I think he probably saw Sin City was like, oh, my God, like, this is, like, these shots that this guy set up, I can do this, you know? So he's like, let's fucking do this then. And, uh, like, he just, he, they, they really in this one seem to be having the time of their life. I feel like, I feel like, you know, uh, the, the Hardigan, the Yellow Bastard stuff is really like, a like Kafka-esque sort of like, you know, we're going to watch a man suffer for like for however long that segment yes. is, like half an hour, like yeah. in both parts. It's, brutal. it's just like, this man is going to be in jail, getting his ass beat, getting fucking owned over and over and over. His heart's even failing him. But meanwhile, you know, Marv is the opposite of that. He gets to actually Marv do shit. Marv is a party. Him, him and Dwight both get to do shit. And I, and I love that for, for Robert Rodriguez. 
because he gets to film the shit out of it. It actually has kind of a. I mean, we're probably going to have talk about this much, but the sequel has a similar structure in that uh, a Damon Kill Four has like sort of like two like badass strands, so to speak, and then one one narrative strand that's just like, oh, this is like depressing as shit. Like it's technically a victory, but it's really really sad. Uh, and yeah, I feel like the Hardigan angle of the movie is. I made the mistake when I rewatched this. I like I, I downloaded the version of the movie that is not the theatrical cut it's each story completely isolated in order mm. so it's, oh that is weird it's no I, I know i know how the movie is structured already because i've seen it but like it's way weirder if you just front load that yellow bastard because it's like without <laughs> yeah, without it being strange. without having that space in between you're like this is just a fucked up story and then when it's over <laughs> then when it's over it randomly cuts to elijah wood for no reason yeah well no but then, then when it's over then it does like the thing with the intro with josh hartnett and spoiler the end with josh hartnett then marv's story starts wait, so like wait, by the time wait. I it got shows to marv, the end with josh hartnett before they show so you have the becky stuff yeah yeah it it, it, it pair, the, you have a separate file that's just the josh hartnett <laughs> they basically like th- there's like a version of i think the dvd that this is probably ripped from where it's like the josh hartnett opening and closing are like one individual segment that they just that's play hilarious. so then like then when you finally get to the big fat kill you're like oh that that girl's good i mean like if you had not already seen the movie it would be dumb but like i'd seen it so i didn't really care yeah. But, like, it does really, really uh, highlight how much more fun the Marv story is because it's just, like, straightforward propulsion. The action is Yeah, that's is the great. file Ramon wanted. Just just send Ramon the, the Marv Listen, file. Listen, first of all, I, I have, that I have the special edition DVD. That was Christmas 2006. I told my mom, listen, all I want is that fucking DVD. She got it for me. It's it's really good. I mean, like, I it's... I, I, that's not even probably like my favorite Marv story necessarily from Sin City, but it's like the for like a movie, it's the perfect story. It's just yeah. If they had only released like a seventy-one minute movie or whatever that was like barely a feature that was just the hard goodbye, like it'd be tight, it'd be perfect. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. So, so the greatest cop killer ever, legendary cop killer Marv, indifferent to authority, you know, just doesn't give a shit. Uh. He goes to see his his lesbian parole officer, played by is it Carla? Carla Gugino, Gugino. yeah. Legendary Carla Silk Spectre. Zack Snyder, shout out. Um, Zack Snyder alum. Zack Snyder alum. You know she was ready for the moment too. She's like, film a comic book. I got that. You know how you show my ass in this one? Not necessary. I got that. <laughs> but speaking of that ass, holy shit, beautiful. The everybody is incredible. always down to take off her clothes in a movie. Yeah. Not in a weird this, way. It just, this movie it just is art. right, you know? This... Like, I had to pause a lot during the uh, <laughs> the Lucille apartment scene to... I wrote a lot of notes about the acting. <laughs> it was... I, I took a lot of notes. I zoomed in a lot for this scene because of uh, uh, Carla's amazing performance. Yeah. I love it. That moment. I love it because this movie, unlike, you know, listen, I'm a true feminist. I'm like Daniel. I don't think respecting women is simp behavior. Um, I think simp behavior is simp I'm behavior. toxic. You are toxic. Yeah. I like that this movie shows that Marv is, like, tender when he has to be. He's a sensitive thug. He's like Tupac. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I and, actually, I have a note that says exactly that. Uh, go on. But you probably say, ew, simp. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no. I was like, this is an incredibly positive portrayal of masculinity. Marv is completely unfazed by Carla Gugino's naked body. And then immediately after I typed that, like, Mickey Rourke is like, yeah, she's a dyke, but with a body like that, she could have any man she wants. You know what? And I'm like... Or woman, because he's an ally. But he doesn't... Yeah, I guess. <laughs> he doesn't say that. I, but it, it, it's 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 hilarious uh to see Frank Miller's sort of like ultimate portrayal of like the respectful man who is still incredibly disrespectful. But but he's also but that's just Marv. That's just yeah. Marv. Marv Marv has tunnel vision. He loves one woman and she's dead. And now he has to kill everybody. Okay. Everyone. So, so he, he he tells he tells Carla Gugino that this is. This is these are the old days, you know, the 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 bad days, all the or all or nothing days. days. He's back. He's ready for war, and I love that shit. <laughs> I love that Dude, for him. I love so, that monologue it's a, it's a, because it comes out of nowhere. It's not like the scene naturally ramps up to that level of intensity. No. She's just talking to him at like a normal room tone, and then he's just like, "Yeah!" Like it just turns like a macho <laughs> yeah, he man stands promo. Up. promo. And he, she's he like, cocks his fist back and everything. Yeah, she's like, okay, well, all right, I guess. It's like, <laughs> like, all right, well, you're gonna need some pills, bud. <laughs> like, got some pills. And, got some and very it's cool just pills. bandages. Pills, pills are just a concept. You just have to take them to get good and be okay. <laughs> and he just like scarfs down five uh, over at Lucille's, and he's That's out. That's the prescribed and it's fine. dosage. So yeah. Five pills. The doctor's like here. Whenever five you pills. have to kill someone. Uh, there's a there's this little like moment where he's like, uh, Lucille's girlfriend. She's a psychiatrist. She tried to analyze me, but I scared her. Like Marv is such a uh, such a strong man. No, that, I thought this man because this man's twisted. He's a psycho. See, you see this movie and, twisted for and real. you see the Joker. I see this movie and I see fucking Marv. You know what I mean? A legend. No, no, I'm not. I have absolutely Listen, no he ain't, nothing he ain't a against Joker Marv level sim. in this Don't film. Don't do that. <laughs> you try to do absolutely that again. I not. see you doing absolutely that. Absolutely not. Um, even though Goldie it looks incredibly like uh, Harley Quinn, this is not this is, any type of comparison. Speaking of speaking of angels, speaking of beautiful blonde women, um, Marv goes to the bar and he sees Nancy, beautiful Nancy. All she grew up, she filled out. This motherfucker Harding is such a weirdo, dude. That was a simp. Oh yeah, he's, that he's that whole scene is. But let's go. But I got like, but, but we're still Marv. in the Marv story where that scene isn't toxic. It's just Marv no. being horny and it's Marv's fine. not even horny for her. Marv's just like, "What's up, Nancy? How you doing?" There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, They're, Marv. That's like, Marv is like displayed. Marv is displayed as being a fan of Nancy and being protective of her, but he's not. It doesn't seem like he lusts after her the way everybody else does. There's no. even a bit in, in the sequel in the Dame to Kill for where she has her own shitty kind of story that they made just for the movie where, like, she has, like, sort of, like, a, a breakdown and is, like, dancing differently on stage. It's sort of, sort of like a the Sin City version of, like, the Britney meltdown. And Marv literally gets up and walks away and he's like, oh, this is like watching this, my, my sister do the nasty. Like, it's like he actually has, like, a platonic <laughs> connection to Nancy, whereas Hardigan, who More met her... More platonic than Bruce Willis. Yeah, who met her as an actual child. Uh, <laughs> Marv is way more respectful Mar- in that. Their, their relationship is platonic. He's a connoisseur of the arts. He respects her body, her dancing, her rhythms. Mm-hmm. But it's not about anything deeper than that. And I, res- I love that for him. Again, not a sit move. Um, 
he he just respects women. That's it is what it is. Um, but one thing I wanted to point out, uh, Jessica Alba. There was no controversy about them casting her for 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 Nancy, right? Because it's like she's such a babe. It's like whatever. Um, and this is the second comic book character she played with blonde hair, where it's like a typical, you know, would be a white woman's role. That Jessica Alba was like, "Fuck that! I'm going to do that shit." And yeah, I just wanted to give a quick fuck you to John Byrne because he said, "Anytime you see a, La- a Latina with blonde hair, she looks like a whore," and I say she looks like an wow. angel. So fuck you, John Byrne. That's such a random soundbite to have out in the ether. Like, how, <laughs> like how were you prompted to be that racist and sexist at the same time? Like, some kind of interviewer is like, uh, "What are your thoughts are on blonde Latinas? <laughs> They're sluts, and I hope they die." Like, oh, thanks. <laughs> really like the X Men in the eighties. Listen, the the burn robotics forums were wild, bro. That was the since that was like the you know wrong alley in Sin City kind of shit. Uh, yeah, like John Byrne talking like a Sin City character. Yeah. Well, well, obviously she's a whore. The burn, the burn robotics forums. That's a bunch of uh, that's a bunch of Hardigans. Now the Villalobos robotic forums. My Discord. That's a bunch of Marvs. Heroes. Yeah. Heroes and champs. Legends. Um. So he goes into the back alleyway, yeah. and a guy gets a yeah. Marv is on his information getting <laughs> spree. Yeah, his information. Or is or is this when he gets walked out? He gets he walked gets walked out. out. He goes into the back alley, but then he like somebody there has information, so he shoots the guy's dick off or rips it off or something. So I just wrote shooting guys in dicks. That's my note. Yeah. What's up? I said there's a lot of dick assault in this movie. Either it's, either dicks getting pulled yes. off, shot at. Super traumatic otherwise. for dicks. Axed. This is this is both a dude's rock movie and a be careful brothers movie. Like we need a brother check in. Are you okay? <laughs> dude's pain. If this is a dude's rock and a dude's pain movie. Yeah. So uh oh fr- so. Somebody tells him that he has to talk to the church, right? And then we get an appearance from one of the greatest actors of all time as as just a random priest. Did he win an Oscar for this? I don't think so. He should have for just like best he should have. cameo or whatever. The legend Frank Miller best shows up. Best on-screen death. Frank Miller shows up just looking fucking sick. Beautiful skin, just filled out. I love it. I love this. Incredibly healthy. I love this moment for Frank Miller. Um, and he plays... Uh, a corrupt, was it like just like a priest? I don't know, like a father. Just Father Miller. Father I Miller. call him Father Miller. Um, and he tells Frank, like, what are you gonna do? You gonna go kill a bunch? You're gonna kill a senator for some fucking whore? And Marv's like, yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he says he says that line with all his with all of his dude, uh, intensity. I can only imagine for some fucking whore. <laughs> My favorite part, maybe of the entire movie. That I did actually think I have to like pause and laugh at it is when Marv kills him. He does that thing where he like reaches out his hand like Dracula <laughs> and it just pauses. Yeah, it, it, so it was sick. literally like uh, striking a pose. Yeah, and he's like he holds it and like nobody else does that in the whole movie. Like he gets Beautiful into the death. he gets into the shot for his character like in the comic and he just like rests there and they just like don't cut. Yeah. Just keep rolling. I feel like yeah, I feel <laughs> like just... Robert Robert kept that camera rolling for a second longer than it needed to and it works it it's incredible it's so it's rad because like there's like, all these like quick cuts and then he Frank shows Miller's it ah. 
It's so rad. It's my favorite shot in the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it is an amazing moment. It is an amazing moment. Uh, right at... Right after this, Marv is like walking. He's walking uh, uh, on the street when he sees someone who he thinks is Goldie. Right. And like it's riding a speeding like seventy mile per hour car. Well, he thinks. And I think he sees he her gets, before like, this. Meet Joe Black. He sees he sees Wendy before this moment, and then he thinks he's hallucinating her because he thinks, am I, "Fuck, am I a simp?" Like I can't. When did when I did he see her before this? Uh, he sees her in the alleyway before he walks into the bar, or like around that time. He he sees her, but thinks like kind of like shakes it off. His simp senses go off. He's not a simp sense though, because he's not a simp, dude. He's he's a, he's an absolute pimp, and he's like, oh shit, no, like I'm tripping. That's not no. I I just need another pill. He probably took five pills after is, that. Is, is the only is the only woman that ever fucked me out there? No, I don't do uh, that. Uh, <clears throat> So, anyways, bit about the the scene with Wendy uh, coming in with the car is that it highlights how everyone in the Sin City movie drives like a dickhead. Like, just no <laughs> one drives the way you drive cars. Everyone is like Tokyo drifting through the streets in like big <laughs> muscle cars, and like they're like doing like the car foo from like the Speed Racer movie. Like, just no one drives through the street. She's straight definitely doing car foo. They're just like whipping the car at each other, and like she hits him. <laughs> With her car, like, four times. Like, it's awesome. It's yeah. like some Bugs Bunny she, shit. It's like James Gandolfini. It's, it's like James Gandolfini and Perdita Durango. You ever see that one, Dom? <laughs> no, I don't think I have. Bro, oh my god, you need to watch. Like, listen, if there's one movie you need to watch, it's Perdita Durango. That's the one that we have, uh, like, that's, it's, uh, Rosie Perez and Javier Bardem. And they're characters from, uh, there's, like, a blonde chick in... Uh, oh, well, Wild at Heart? Wild at Heart. I've never seen the movie, but I've seen. Oh Bird- Sorry, I'm, looking, I'm looking at the poster for this movie, and Javier Bardem's fucking stash is like. I have He's to got a mullet. Film. He's got a mullet with yeah. like turf bangs. It's so sick. <laughs> he, he plays like a Satanist, and she's like a serial killer, and they fall in love and go on like a murder spree. Holy and they're shit. getting chased by James Gandolfini, and he gets hit by a car like so many times, and he go like every time like flies up to towards the camera. It's like so cartoony. It's so sick. You have to watch it. Um, I gotta see this. That's on, I think, Tubi, if anybody wants to watch it. But it's one of my favorite movies, and I just watched it, like, this year. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they, they pull up Perdita Durango. She just hits Marv, like, three times. And he's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, he's just bummed out. He's like, bum- like, yeah, he he's super, really rum- he's super he's not confused. stoked. Because he's like, wait a minute. I thought I was hallucinating this. She's actually hitting me with her fucking car. <laughs> he's But he's okay. He's it, It's fine. It's... It, it, it's just confusing him. Like he's been run over f- four times, but it's 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 an inconvenience. Yeah. At most. Um. But then I don't know what my notes says here is thrown in cell. Does he get thrown? Oh, he gets thrown in that jail cell. Yeah. No. He he goes. This is probably maybe my third or fourth favorite scene in the movie where he go he's going to the compound like yeah. he got he gets run over and that's like an interruption but he just like okay fine I'm I'm going to go over to the compound <laughs> right, anyway right. whatever uh and it's and he's confronted by a wolf which is a beautiful scene yeah it's it's he's confronted the wolf is staring at well, him isn't growling. there more cop it's killing like in man between that? confronting his own nature He's like, I don't want to fight you, pooch. Well, isn't there more? And, uh, and and isn't there more cop killing in between that? I, f- I wrote down more cop killing. 
Oh, well, he's, (laughs) as he's getting into the uh, compound, I feel like he might have taken down a cop or two in between. That rules. You don't want to give him credit for all the cops that he's killing. At one point, I might have skipped a cop down. (laughs) So anyways. My bad. He goes to the compound. He sees the wolf. You're right. He confronts nature. So the, the important thing is that he punches out the wolf immediately. Yeah. Like, like this beautiful moment between man and nature. It's not a beautiful wolf. moment. He had to kill that wolf. That wolf was eating people. He didn't, though. What? The wolf didn't eat people? He just takes it down because he respects the wolf. Oh, yeah, yeah. He respects That's, the wolf. But yeah, but I, you know what I mean. He had to, like, just... He had to, he had to not get eaten yeah. by a wolf. That's the main thing. But... But that that served as, as a distraction because he 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 got jumped by Elijah Wood, the creepiest character in the movie, the best, probably my favorite performance in the whole. It movie. It would be because he looks like a My Chemical Elijah Romance Wood. fan, exactly what I imagine when I think yes. of My Chemical Romance. <laughs> and and there's some commentary about youth, about <laughs> in this Elijah Wood character. And I don't know exactly what Frank Miller is trying to say about the youth, but he hates but it. No, 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 no. Well, no it doesn't, though, because in the comic, that dude is way older than Elijah Wood is supposed to be in that movie. So it's the movie. In the movie, th- there's that commentary. I think I think the movie accentuates it because he gives him, like, sneakers. Well, I think in the, co- in the comic, yeah, he, he has him, like, the sneakers. Converse, yeah. But in the comic, he's like a 40-year-old dude. He's got, like, a double chin. He looks older. Yeah, in the movie, he just it looks does, like a does, random twink who happens to know martial it, it, arts. In the comic, and have razor. In the and comic, nails. does he like move like a ninja? Yeah. No, the shots are still taken from the movie. They, but Dom's right. In the movie, he just looks like a random like twink dude who's got like a pleather sweater, which I didn't know they made those. <laughs> they look sick. It's a weird look, and it's weird that he's so. It, he, it's weird to take a character who's like, oh, he's an evil cannibal, but he also knows martial arts. He also, yeah, like, slices yeah. up people like some sort of, like, fey wolverine. And, uh, and his well, shirt, his sweater is, like, sort of like the anti-Charlie Brown. Yeah, he looks, he's very it's peanuts. that zigzag pattern. What I love about it is, like, so this is, so we, what we find out about this guy is he's the kept man of Senator, or no, Cardinal Rourke. I mean, we'll get to yeah. that later, but he's basically... A, a guy who the priest is in love with, so he wants to, you know, just uh, humor his, like, his passions. He wants to just, like, bankroll all of his indulgences. So he's like, yeah, I'll give you money for martial arts classes. Yeah, I'll buy you hookers so you could kill any <laughs> in different grotesque ways. Yeah. You know what? He's a really ambitious sugar baby. That like, he... is it. Sorry, go ahead. I was saying he's a really ambitious sugar baby. Like, he's a kept <laughs> man who also <laughs> has so many projects. Yeah. And I think it's actually a simp move of the Cardinal to do all that. <laughs> Cardinal is definitely a simp. Yeah. Uh, Roy Batty, Cardinal Roy Batty, is uh, probably the one of the weakest characters in the in, in the movie. But we'll get to that because uh, Marv gets knocked out again, only to wake up. In I don't know how much time elapsed from when Marv left Lucille's to when we get to the little dungeon prison, but Lucille's back and she's a prisoner. Yeah, I, I thought that was confusing. We, I, I've always thought that was weird that they found her, but I guess you know this is the thing with with conspiracies and with Illuminati's and such. Like, yeah, they're gonna know who you talk to probably. You know what I mean? That's his one ally, yeah. his one confidant. They're probably going to grab her at some point, throw her in the little pit. 
Um, a really dramatic uh, moment, uh, the reveal that when Marv approaches Lucille, she no longer has a hand, and she screams that he made her watch yeah. as he ate it. That was, that was probably Carla Gugino's best acting I've ever seen in a movie. Where she's he made them watch, and you got all the you got all the dead heads on the wall. It's pretty sick. It, it, it's incredible because it also as as she's screaming, it cuts to Elijah Wood just kind of smiling out, outside <laughs> yeah. the window because he knows what's up. He's like, yeah, I did. <laughs> and and after that, she's like, I just need a cigarette. And really, like your arm gets eaten off, you just you. Have a cigarette, chill out. Well, Marv has that comment or, about like uh, dames. Like <laughs> sometimes they just need to, <laughs> to get it out, yell a little bit, and they're fine. It's like yeah, just uh, get it out of their system. Weird observation to make at this point in the narrative, but okay. Yeah. So yeah, especially after your hand's been eaten. So Marv, uh, what I love about it is he's just like, all right, I guess I'll break us out of here, and so he just does it really quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like it's like half a foot of concrete, the thickest <laughs> yeah. bars. He just jumps up on the wall, like breaks the bars off the the window. Like, all right, let's go. So, so my, so I was and, confused, and that's when, yeah, so that's when we get more cop killing. Exactly. No, but not before, not before what what I want to call a dumb broad move. Oh no! Where don't do that. Where. <laughs> <sighs> That's the only. That's the only thing I can call it because move. they were they were kind move. of in the woods. They were almost seat. on their way out. This is out. why you're toxic. This is why you're trying to get us canceled. I'm I'm a little toxic because Lucille thinks she's gonna. She's so smart. She's gonna grab a rock. She hits Marv over the head, and like like she knows better than him. Takes his gun and she's like, "No, it's okay. I have this all over control, officer. Guess what." What? She gets Uzi down by Officer Baldman. Was that a Latino guy that shot her? I don't know. The paint, the face paint <laughs> makes me feel like they wanted to make him ethnic for some reason. Well, in the, in the book he has face paint, but it's, it looks like it's more like a face tattoo. And in the, in the movie, I think it might be more like paint. And I just think like, is that is that one of ours? Do you want to, do you want to just take credit for him? Do you want to? Uh... I don't know who it is, but I'll, yeah, yeah, he's pretty cool looking. <laughs> he's a cop. He does look he's a cop. Cool. He immediately oozes her down. He's a cop who has a duster. That's kind of tight. <laughs> it is true. It's like he, a cop uh, who's like, cops. yeah, I'll be a cop, but I want to accessorize however I want, and that means yeah. He's like in that detective face paint uh, role. Duster, I want that. Yeah, he's like a he's like a punk rock cop. Yeah, I mean he's still a bastard. So Marv kills him. Marv has one of the sickest cop killing yeah. scenes ever here, and my only issue with it. Is that in the comic he straight use like he he gets a hatchet like first of all there's a hatchet stuck in like a log like if someone was like cutting down like wood for like a fire they use like a hand hatchet that's not how you cut wood <laughs> yeah but you know who cares it doesn't matter he gets a hatchet out it was really convenient it was right and there. he just goes to work on these motherfucking cops and in the comic he cuts one of their heads like straight off but I think they realize like yeah although you probably couldn't cut wood with it and like you know extension of disbelief that somebody just left a hatchet there like you you can't cut off someone's head with that with one shot that's crazy so he just like slits his throat and that's still pretty brutal pretty fucked yeah. up and uh pretty satisfying i love, I love the 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 kill where he splits a cop's helmet 
completely like perfectly open and ends up with like an axe, uh, uh, an axe lodged into his head. Yeah, that is like an iconic shot from the comic too. I mean, like first of all, yeah, two, none of the cops. Every shot shoot. is an iconic shot from the comic, but that's like a specifically like badass moment where he puts a fucking hatchet in a dude's head. The only guy that remembers to shoot is Uzi guy, but he only does it when there's another cop in the way and he kills the cop. Yeah, which you know, which is awesome. Sick. That's why I think he might be one of ours. I think he was waiting for that guy. <laughs> it doesn't work out for him. No, he that gets way, though. Um, Marva liked his coat, but he gets saved, right? Uh, Marv, bald man. No, Marv doesn't. Uh, no, oh, no, wait, no, 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 no. He just no. He just completely rips into rips into bald face paint cop. Right, 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 right. and. And it cu- it just cuts to Marv walking in the pouring rain, like like his balls weigh fifty pounds each. <laughs> like he like he has this amazing stride in the pouring rain as he's monologuing about tearing this cop to pieces for information about the cardinal, and the way he walks, it, it's like his balls do not fit in his pants anymore. <laughs> too big. From how from how amazing he Can't is buy in this, in this performance. This scene. Is is Mickey Rourke playing confused Marv, questioning reality at this moment? He's like, I don't know what's real, and he's like shooting guns at the giant impossible statue of a cardinal. Like this cardinal has a giant statue of himself, yeah. and he's just shooting at the statue, confused in the rain. It's it's an astounding work of art. This film, like no joke. I I wish. I wish we could travel back to 2005 when movies like this were made. Could I do think be, of yeah. all the of all the kind of unrealistic things in Sin City. I think the shot of the cardinal having a gigantic statue of himself in this like small urban area is like the most unrealistic. <laughs> it feels like something out of like uh, out of, like Batman and Robin. The the yeah, like movie, when they the big like, like Goliath these statues, gigantic and stuff. statues. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. How, like, who, who built this? How to get paid for it? It's, just, it's the only thing to me that's just like yeah. two out there. It feels like uh, an uh, ancient Greco-Roman creation. The easier if you grow up Catholic? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. No. I think if you grew up Catholic, you might get it. They're always raising money for <laughs> stupid projects. <laughs> like, I, I kinda, we need yeah, money to build like a new wing. I'm like, like the, why? You got enough for here already. I see wings everywhere. It's, it's, it's the nastiest city in all of America. It's not the Vatican. No, but, but this still, movie shows income inequality and what it does to the people, man. Yes, no, they're, but you're totally right about they, that. They're able to afford to build giant statues of themselves, fund you know their yeah. little boyfriend's pe- uh, cannibal karate, you know kung fu endeavors, and you know yes, all he does is sit. The only money in Sin City is is goes to giant cardinal statues and a dinosaur park. <laughs> so. So anyways, he goes to Rourke. Let's just skip ahead. He sees the girls, Wendy and the girls. They, like, tie him up, and turns out they didn't tie him up very good. Yeah, Wendy shoots him down, which is no big deal for Marv, really. This is just to, like, kidnap him. He's taken so many pills. Those are, you know, legend pills. He feels no pain. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those are the pills he picks up, legend pills. Have you ever played Max Payne? No. I feel like in that game you could take pills and they were, like, they did the same thing. 
It's like you take a pill. It made you amazing. It, it made you like it restores your health. I'm like, that's just not how pills work, but whatever. Like I wanna keep playing, so Yeah, Max Payne feels very much in this genre. I wanna watch the Max Payne uh Mark Wahlberg movie. That movie looks sick. I mean I think I watched it when it came out, but I just don't remember it at all. Um so anyways he goes to Cardinal Rourke and we finally have the moment where Marv sees this motherfucker and he's like, Alright, I'm here, um, I'm gonna fucking kill you. You know why. <laughs> <laughs> the cardinal this is, this is after this is after the the marv elijah wood fight oh is it that's this right is, yeah no like um he, when he finally meets the the cardinal that's when he like drops like elijah wood's head oh yeah yeah he kills Bible. elijah wood first by luring him yeah. into a trap because he's so fast with uh with handcuffs he, with he handcuffs yeah, well, himself, beats him to death, and uh, he talks to the girls. They're like, "Oh, there's this guy." Rosario Dawson gives this to little him. twink or whatever. So he's like, "Okay, I'll go, but I need to get some things." And he gets like he has the iconic moment where he's like, "I need razor wire, gloves, and handcuffs, and my mitts, and his mitts." <laughs> and I remember the guy at the hardware store goes like, "Doing a little uh, <laughs> home renovation or whatever." Like, yeah, beefing up the security. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Amazing. I love that he gets like the rubber tubing and duct tape and like all the things that you need. It's like in Always Sunny when they get all those like things to kill a person. And they're like, what are you guys doing? Um, it's it's a it's it's a nice little beat. Yeah, where you get to see like the only normal person in Sin City might be that hardware <laughs> store uh, worker. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. Anyways, he he goes, he kills the guy, uh, and then he. He uses the uh, tubing to tie up his limbs so that the wolf can eat him slowly or whatever. The wolf, see, comes back. The wolf comes back. Didn't kill the wolf because the wolf had to uh, feast on what was left of Elijah Wood's smiling body. Elijah Wood just kind of like stares the whole time and doesn't feel or say anything. Yeah, shout outs to Elijah Wood for like getting a role to do nothing. What are you talking about do nothing? This motherfucker's doing like, karate all over the place. I mean, whatever, like, the, the <laughs> scenes where he is doing karate, sure, but, like, in terms of acting... He's great in this movie. Oh, he's got, he's got incredible nails, too, by the way. Yes, he, his superpower is nails. Yeah, his nails did before the um, film. Respect to him. And, like, there's this moment where he cuts through Marv, which is... Marv is made of rocks, so <laughs> if Elijah Wood cuts through that, that's impressive. He's practically Wolverine in this in this movie. Everyone has a thing. Like, for example, like Rosario Dawson, she's like, I tied those knots. That's my specialty. Yeah, I love that. Like, I love that all the sex her... workers have, like, specialties. Like, they're uh, yes. in, in that uh, Quentin Tarantino thing, the Fox Force 5 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's... You got Dallas, the cowboy sex worker. You have uh, well, hold on, hold on. Samurai. There's... Yeah, we'll get yeah, to that. So, we'll get to that. They're so irrelevant so Cardinal... to the end of the Marv story, which... Ends with him going to a yeah. work. He has the dude. He has Elijah Wood's head, and he's just like, "Hey, I killed your boyfriend. <laughs> see, see what we did here. <laughs> this is an exchange." And uh, O'Rourke just like lays into him, and they, you know, um, he said, "I remember he says of Elijah Wood, he had the voice of an angel, and he spoke only to me." I was like, "Damn, that's fucked up." <laughs> like this was that. I think those two were in love for real, you know. Yeah, no, that's that's actually like a pimp move on <laughs> on Elijah Wood's part to to absolutely like dominate a bishop with his voice and never use it again. Just just every once in a while, be like, 
I suck your dick. <laughs> and like those are the words you think you said. Completely own him. Crazy. Yeah, I love uh I love that scene though because it's it just to me that's the whole movie is where it's talking about, you know, the it just shows like the rage of like the common man versus like the elites in this world that they've created. Which is like you know, like I said earlier, like the elites they, they live in an entirely different Sin City where they can do anything they want without without repercussions except for Marv. He is the repercussion. You know what I mean? Or Hardigan and mm-hmm. to a lesser extent well, Dwight. Well I think but Marv is actually a much more like pure distillation of that because like Hardigan is like constantly talking about like how he basically can't take them down and yeah. you know like his his victory is much more tragic. Whereas Marv's just like, no, I'm gonna cut this dude's head off. I'm gonna kill this guy. Like, you know, just regular shit. Like, yeah, and he and he will die trying. He doesn't care. Like, he's like, there's no place, there's no place where the elite enemy is too safe. Like, he does a full infiltration mission. He's like on rooftops, killing all the cops. And like, the 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 bishop, his his compound is also surrounded by cops. It's all guarded by cops. Like the police serve exclusively to protect the the monster elite. Yeah, no, like the cops, everything everything is set up. the The entire structure of the Sin City universe is set up to protect these people. And like like I said, it's just such an interesting thing to watch now. And in 2005, we just were not there yet. Like, now we almost live in a Sin City world where, like, you see the Jeffrey Epstein shit. You see the shit with, like, the, uh, where, like, he gets killed in that, in that cell. And. No, you mean he committed suicide? You mean he committed suicide? (laughs) Right. You watch that. You watch the way, like, you know, like, Clinton, like, the Clintons and Trump and everybody just run around in that world. And it's like, you know, we are more like Hardigan. We're like, it's powerless. We, can, we literally can do nothing. But Marv is an expression of like, but what if you could? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what if what you if could? What if you were crazy enough to do something? For just like the most personal reason. Like, you were in love for one night. And is that worth dying for? To like, is it worth going up against this establishment? And for Marv, you know, he's crazy enough that, yeah, it is. Fuck them. And I, I, that's why He's I love enough. He that is part. invincible enough. I love that part specifically because it's like, who doesn't watch that movie and be like, yeah, I would totally want to do that. You know, it's, it's totally worth dying for. But he's too hard to kill. Yeah. Like, even when they catch him, <laughs> even when they catch him, when like they completely machine gun him down. He's he's fine. I love it. Yeah. He wakes up he... and he, they throw him in prison. Yep. They keep telling him like to agree they tell him to they tell him to like agree to sign a thing saying that he did all the killings and everything they want to like pin everything on him and he's just like fuck you i'm gonna yeah. do that so then they it's like a good three minutes of police being absolute pigs yeah like which is factual and realistic this is exactly what happens in real life and then wendy comes to give him one last tender moment she kind of like offers himself to him and he's like no it's not about like <laughs> he's like it's not about that <laughs> like she you know He's just like it's not about sex; it's about love. And I see that's a that's a pimp move, Daniel. You could learn something from Marv. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> all I see is a all I see is a simp. For real, even the after most even after all we talked about. World. I'm I'm just being a contrarian at this oh, point. Okay. <laughs> so that uh. Yeah, no, but but then also immediately uh, pimp move. He can't even get the electric chair yeah. to kill him. They try to electric chair him. 
he, he's like, fuck you, I'm still alive. And they do it again, and he finally is dead. Mercifully, his story comes to an end. Um, did he Did he ever sign the thing? Uh, like, did he ever sign the confession? I don't oh think so. no! I, did they I say don't that they so. were gonna? I they think... were gonna? They were gonna do something to his mom, right? Oh, that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think. I think it was. Yeah. I think it was about his mom. Yeah, they said they were gonna kill his mom, so he agrees to it, and that's why they were able to kill him with the death penalty. Pimp move, like, by the way. They just loving your mom. Kill him. Yeah, no, that's that's, <laughs> that's definitely a pimp move. I, I'm not gonna call someone a simp for loving their mom. Yeah. Fuck you, Danny. I love my mother. <laughs> so then, I'm I'm on good terms with mine. From, <laughs> so then from there, we move on to the Dwight story. Now, honestly, I didn't like. I could take or leave this one. Like, I feel like the better Dwight story is the one in a Dame to Kill for. Um, this one is kind of just like a fun little like adventure that they get into, but. I, I didn't pull as much consequence from this as the other ones. There's more evil cops, which is great. Yeah, I think this one's just fun. This is just fun. Like, this is just, like, give, uh, what's her name? Uh, Miho some shit, some cool shit to do. Like, yeah. I guess if you're and making I, Sin City, I, you need to have Miho in it. But you can't have the Marv and the Dame to Kill for Miho stuff in it. So, just this one, right? Yeah, I think this yeah, is the right I have a, I have a soft spot for Clive Owen. Yeah, what it's actually... One of my least favorite things about Dame to Kill Force adaptation, despite it like actually being pretty good, is that Josh Brolin plays Dwight in that version, you know, because it's Dwight before he gets like the plastic surgery to look like Clive Owen in this story. Mm-hmm. And in their version of a Dame to Kill For, when he does get the plastic surgery, they didn't bring Clive Owen back. It's just what? Josh Brolin with makeup to look like Clive Owen. Are you serious? That's, That's hilarious. hilarious. I'm fucking dead serious. And I've seen I've seen the Damien Kill for it two or three times. And every does time I watch like, it, I forget does he look like Clive it Owen? until it happens. No, he looks like Josh Brolin <laughs> with like a Clive Owen wig. It's fucking awful. It's embarrassing. That's awesome. And apparently Clive Owen was like available and up. wanted to do it. There wasn't a reason, like as far as I could, because I, I, I looked because like, there's got to be a story behind this. No, I, I don't know if maybe Robert Rodriguez was like, well, fuck it, we're already almost done. Like, just put put some shit on his face. But like, it's. Like they should like like uh what's his face uh Joseph Gordon Levitt and Looper, they tried to like Bruce Willis him a little. I, to be honest, Whoa. I think that the I didn't realize the Looper, Looper was Bruce a Sin City, uh... is better. What's up? I was saying I think that the makeup in Looper is actually better. In in in, in it makes Joseph Gordon Levitt look more like Bruce Willis and Looper than Josh Brolin does like Clive Owen or even like an impression of Clive Owen or like a bad drawing of Clive Owen. I was I was saying like I didn't realize Looper was a Sin City reunion. I forgot all about that. Oh yeah, technically yeah. Is is yeah. They never interact, but you know they're still both kicking around. Um, I mean, Sin City is kind of like a a North reunion as well with uh, Elijah Wood and Bruce Willis. Were they in North? Forgot about that one. You remember that movie? It's like nineties. I don't remember. Like I don't remember. Wood. I don't remember Bruce Willis in it. I just remember Elijah Wood in it. Yeah, I feel like Bruce Willis is like his eventual dad. Spoilers for North. Get it? <laughs> Elijah Wood gets adopted. So, uh, the, just the notes about the Dwight story, just because you know, like we don't need to go through it the way we did the Marv story, which is transcendent, and we don't need to cap. We still need to cap off the Hardigan story. But uh, Benicio del Toro is iconic in this movie. 
Um, oh, yes. Also, when they yes. when they cast him, he was like, oh, how come everybody else gets prosthetics, but I don't? And they're like, well, you look like him. He's like... Give me a fucked up nose. He's like, give me a nose, give me a I chin, let's do it. a fucked up nose. So, so he has a fake nose and a fake chin just because, just because he wanted one. Um, I want to be bad. The whole scene where he's just, <laughs> when he has his neck cut and like Dwight's hallucinating that he's talking to him and yeah. he's like, hey man, what are you gonna do? <laughs> It's like so And he's doing good. the whole he's talking between his teeth. He's like talking while grinning because he died kinda like smiling. It's so he's so amazing. Uh, it's a great movie. scene. Uh Quentin Tarantino directed that one scene in the whole movie. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he directed like, it like, because Robert Rodriguez director. wanted him to work with a digital camera, right? Yeah, and he has not mm. used one since. <laughs> Was that? I said uh yeah, yeah, he has not used one since. He was like, Oh well this is cool, but I'm never gonna do this again. That's right. Yeah, part cause... of part of this movie, part of everyone having a thing, everyone having a specialty. Clive Owen's thing is having two guns, and they really play that one up. He like double fists a pair of guns for like almost every scene. It's a miracle that he isn't like driving with the two guns in his hand at the same <laughs> yeah. time. I don't remember that at all because that's just his thing. He, he needs to have the two guns out at all times. I, yes, yeah, it's, it's the main reason I think is because Frank Miller always draws Dwight in every action scene like. Like a John yeah. character. Yeah. I my 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 one thing that I felt in, in watching that movie is like I felt like Dwight is so serious that I just wish it would have been like Christian Slater or something. Like just somebody a little younger, a little bit more American. Christian Slater actually would have been pretty yeah. cool for this role because he's kind <laughs> of an everyman. It kind of fits like his yeah. kind of like true yeah. romance. Like like Clive Dwight... Owen's American accent is almost racist. <laughs> Clive Owen is like I'm an American. Clive Owen is like a little bit too handsome, a little bit too like tough looking for like what I imagine it. But then when I read the comic, that's exactly who that character is. So I'm like, all right, I like I give it to you. Like it's basic, like that's basically right, you know. So yeah, my thing, my thing with Clive Owen is that he's like a soft boys man. He's like he's supposed to be. He's like a man. But he's soft. He has. You can see him cry. Yeah, like well, he's I supposed the, to be, especially after Marv. He's like got his wits about him or whatever. So, like, Dwight like is I said, supposed to, to be the figure in. I think Dwight's supposed to be the figure in Sin City that's like the most like a regular person, and he's yeah. also the only protagonist. You can tell from his converse. Well, yeah, but he's also the only protagonist that doesn't like die at the end of his story, which is why he's like one of the only ones with like multiple stories because right. he's sort of he, he's implied to be like. More like an everyman, almost like more of a Frank Miller stand-in in the sense that, like, Dwight has a bad side, and Dwight can be violent, and Dwight does have all this dark stuff, but he has to, like, keep it at bay. So, uh, yeah. he, he's, like, the only, like, I don't know, like, middle ground character? Because, like, you know, Marv is, like, a superhero, and Hardigan's weird. And, like, it's, I don't know, <laughs> I, I, I like that about Dwight. I think Dwight's stories are, are kind of fun because it feels like... It feels a little bit more like a regular film noir and not the Frank Miller version of a film noir where everyone is sure. like the Beast Wars Transformers version of a detective or whatever. Well, that's so that's my thing though is like because of because of that I just wish Dwight felt a little bit more like he's getting by because he's resourceful like I I haven't seen David Kilfer for for whatever reason I think when it came out I was behind deadline and I just keep putting it off. But like does that open up where he's like taking the photos and stuff? Yeah, yeah, and, and Brolin, I think Brolin's portrayal of Dwight is a lot more interesting because he, he has more of the more of the vibe where he's, like, wrestling with his demons and stuff, where he is yeah. trying to be a regular guy, 
and then he kind of turns it up and is like a big tough roughneck. But I do think it would have been cooler if there was an actor who was a little bit more regular. You know, I bet I would have so loved like it. Gruff. I bet I would have loved it if it was just Josh Brolin from two thousand five. <laughs> like he was, it he was the man back been, then. He, it like, should have been Michael Sarah. No Country for Old Men. Josh Brolin would be sick as Dwight. What about like an everyday actor like Michael Sarah? What about the yes. mimics? What about the mimic Josh Brolin? Like he would have been sick as Dwight. So like, yeah, I think my problem is I just wish there was, you know, maybe I I wish Josh Brolin would have been Dwight the first time too. <laughs> That he could have came back with that new face of his, as Dwight. I mean, as still Dwight. Um, yeah, I gotta watch that movie. Um, oh, the other thing is, this movie confirms one thing that I always knew, which is that uh, Rory Gilmore is the worst person on earth. Just <laughs> absolutely, yeah, the Gilmore girl. Just absolutely awful. Her and her mom get up to no fucking good in this movie. They almost, they almost, and her mom kind of multiple times. I, I want to say that the mom that she talks to on the phone is the mom from Gilmore. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. Like, she called up her mom, and they yeah. just start talking really, really fast. And I'm just like, no good comes out of that. Those women are deranged. This movie was peak thong era. This, yeah, well, what? I guess. <laughs> like, like, every single scene... You get some bare asses more than I've seen. Like it's like thong. It's just tough for me to say like, that like, that because it came out five years after the thong song, but it did came out during that's true when like low waisted jeans and like you know girls were like the the Michael Turner like era of like drawing yeah. where it's like low waisted jeans yeah, very, thongs very over fathomy. yeah legendary stuff yeah but you know we love so we love the Dwight stuff but you know. We love it for different reasons, and I don't feel like there's all that much you could take out of it, honestly. Like, there, to me, there's, like, yeah, a positive it, it, little, like, matriarchy story, you know? The girls exactly. are doing it for themselves. Maybe that's why Daniel doesn't like it that much. <laughs> I, I, This is actually, like, y'all have been putting this story down. Yeah. This is one of I wrote plenty of notes about this. Oh, no, no, I, I, know. Know. I think uh, I, I think Ramon's just saying that he's, he's less, like, of a Dwight guy than a Marv guy. I'm much more of a Dwight and guy. I'm, and I'm more of a Dwight because I'm a great feminist ally as well. Like <laughs> Ma- Dwight Wait, is. who's more of a feminist ally, Dwight or Marv? Um, I, I, I think Dwight because Dwight lets the women uh, take control. Dwight. After he kind of like gun butts Rosario Dawson for one second, but it's only to prove a point. Dwight, for one second. Dwight two-timed Rosario Dawson. And but Rosario Dawson wants him more for it. Like it's about a woman's choice, and <laughs> Rosario Mar- makes the choice. She knows Mar- the problems. Marv specifically Dwight- said that he don't hit dames. Yeah, right after that he hit a dame, but that was conflicting because he was he, going right nuts. after that he hit he hit <laughs> Wendy. He took Wendy out. He's like, I would never hit a woman. He takes Wendy out because Wendy wanted to kill um, Elijah Wood. That's right. But my, but my point is, he said he wouldn't do it. Even though he does it right after, you know, mm-hmm. words matter. Yeah, no, but Dwight Dwight only does it to check Rosario Dawson about some shit. Yeah, that he, not, he not to point. stop her from killing anyone, just to be an asshole. Yeah, and and he and what what does he do? He empowers the women right. of Old Town right. by cool dinosaur setting... shots. Also in this movie, in this part, those were neat. Yeah, as, no, as Sin big, City has a dinosaur park. As a big Jurassic Park fan, I love the dinosaurs. 
obviously. And I think this movie is racist against Irish people. No. Uh, Irish people because are because they Irish are, people are scum. They they're using bombs and there's a lot of like bombing with the Irish character and he like goes into like a monologue about how much he loves bombs. I'm going to edit like, this out. Up. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I I'm just saying no, I know, for, but I'm for like, the who cares. <laughs> it's there's there's things to think about. I mean in, clearly you in, thought in, about in, it in this film. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Races um, against anyway, Irish he dies. people. That's, that's psychotic. Let's move on. The, the Irish is... have had it too good in this country. <laughs> They've had it too good. So Hardigan wakes um, up. <laughs> so so it, it, nothing matters. Uh, they kill everybody and then Hardigan wakes up. Yeah. Hardigan wakes up and, you know, he's being threatened by Senator Rourke. And uh, he says his, sh- he said his son should have been president. And I, that was so chilling to me. Because of course he should have. You know what I mean? Like, we just... This movie's about movie's about that yellow bastard. We just got done with that orange bastard. If there was no Hardigan, this motherfucker would have grown Sick. up to be Donald Trump. Bars. Think about that. Think about that. This, again, now we're getting back to real issues here. I, I wrote this on a legal pad. <laughs> so, so it's serious. It's on yellow Senator paper. Rourke tells Marv that power comes from lying. And lying uh, so big that everyone agrees. Or whatever. And he starts telling him about, like... I could I could kill you, walk out of here, and everybody would say that I didn't do anything. And it was just like, you know, he's really laying it on to to Hardigan. And I kind of felt for the boy. Like, he's a simp, sure, but, you know, that's fucked up still. But he doesn't, he doesn't, does he sign the confession? No, right? How does he get out? Not initially. He signs it when he thinks that Jessica Alba's in trouble. That's right. B- before he knows that she's Jessica Alba. That's right. He they send him like a toe. He think yeah, they they send him a finger after after like 3 weeks of of taking uh the letters that uh Nancy was sending under a pseudonym. They uh Bruce Willis wakes up to the yellow bastard in his cell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he wakes up to him or I don't know how the yellow bastard shows up. Well, the yellow bastard shows up because he he has the power to do so. That's the senator's son. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, it, it's more like how like he appears suddenly, and I don't remember why Bruce Willis was like asleep. Initially. I think he falls asleep in like anguish because he thinks that yeah the little girl he's fallen in love with in prison doesn't want to be his pen pal anymore. The little that's girl bummer. that's just his daughter over the letters. Just his daughter that's, who he has loved is, and has kept him alive like a daughter. That is a super bummer when your eight-year-old pen pal uh, stops writing you letters. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we, yeah, I think we like, can all relate to that, right? Um, you saved their life. I might, literally, one of my them. notes is just, weird relationship between Nancy and Hardigan. <laughs> yeah, it gets progressively weirder because, like... It's not just the fact that, like, it's obvious that Hardigan wants to fuck her. It's the fact that Frank Miller wrote Nancy and then, you know, Rodriguez already carried it over into the movie as also wanting to fuck Hardigan. Like, that is the more, like, in story, Hardigan being a weirdo who, like, is a secret pedophile who fights public pedophiles is weird. (laughs) But... Yeah, like, in in my notes, I wrote down, like, this is a John Byrne-style fiction of young woman fantasies. Like... You need to have the young woman that is completely madly in love, and the older man that's like, "No, what are you? Like, oh, stop! Uh, I'm an this old is man. Bad, but you don't, don't want stop. this. 
it's you could keep going. Like, <laughs> I'm a noble adult man, and then they make out. Yeah, it's oh. hella awkward, and not even because like Bruce Willis isn't like you know like the man and stuff. It's just it's just weird. It's like I, I, y'all met when she was a kid. You've been in prison the whole fucking mm-hmm. time. It's just weird, and yeah, <laughs> we're all just turned off by yeah. the whole idea. Uh, but you know the I, it goes on. Like, we don't have to get into the whole thing, but he sees Nancy at the bar. Like he goes to find the. By the way, the Matchbook has a great. A slogan on it when he finds out that Nancy is dancing or he thinks that she works at this bar or whatever has a slogan that says liquor in the front poker in the back uh, that's hilarious hey. that's a hilarious thing and to it has a it. little Frank Miller drawing a little yeah so he goes to the bar meets Nancy they go out to the uh where do they find the senator no it it, it what happens the is that uh the yellow bastard had been Following Tailing yeah. Bruce Willis. That's right. To find out where Nancy was. Oh, because he wanted to kill her. And because that's how he wanted to find right. her. He basically like the trick was that they made Bruce Willis think that Nancy was in danger. So he signed the confession to get out so that he would lead the yellow goddamn Ferengi. Because <laughs> to... he looks just he really they, they like make the exactly nastiest like a, so face. Fucking terrible. Um, he looks sick though. I mean, so it looks exactly he like he does Nancy. in the comic though. To be fair, like that looks sick. It's yeah, no, the, it, it, it is like the most Dick Tracyest face in the in the whole movie. Um, but so what happens is that they immediately are being as Bruce Willis like tells Nancy that we got to get out of here. Right, like after Nancy straight up kisses Bruce Willis on the mouth to everyone's disgust. Um, the yellow bastard is chasing them and shooting at them uh, on the road. And they have, like, the shootout car chase in which Bruce Willis gets another good shot in at the yellow bastard and drives him off uh, off of a hill. Um, And they go to confirm the kill, but he's missing. Yeah, he's missing this disgusting because... yellow blood tracks are everywhere he says they smell like piss oh they really pick the nastiest yellow like anytime they touch the yellow it makes a nasty goop sound (laughs) (laughs) um i just love the idea that he's so like jaundiced and gross that his blood is also piss it's so weird yeah he's just made of yellow he's made of yellow it was that coldplay song it was a hot song Probably at the same time, around the same time this this movie came out. Um, there's this amazing shot where they hole up in a motel to be safe, and it's Bruce and and Alba, and you can see them from outside. There's a sort of a light inside the the room where you can see them in perfect silhouettes. The car is parked, and then all of a sudden, boom! Fat yellow head pops out from the back of the car. <laughs> Sneaky. Um, which is to say, like, to tell the audience that, uh, Bruce Willis and Jessica Alba are not going to be able to have any fun. Yeah, because this anytime a bald person that, comes around, the fun ends. It ends completely. And they give him, like, the worst <laughs> sort of, like, male pattern baldness marks. <laughs> it's like, it's like a, like, ugh, it's, it's bad. It makes me feel bad for myself, I, honestly. Um, 
And this is when Nancy comes on to Hardigan. Yeah. And it's pure discomfort. She says she's been horny for him for eight years. Well, and she's like, I, it wasn't just is, gratitude. The thing is, it was just gratitude. The thing is, Nancy was traumatized as a child, and he's the man who saved her. Even though he's super old, probably got fucking old balls. You know, she's she's attached herself to this idea of what yeah. a man should be. A man who protects her in a world where everybody is trying to abuse her. So, like, I understand yes. the idea, but it just doesn't it doesn't really play. Because, like, yeah. Bruce Willis is just, like, he just has no charisma with her. Which is weird, because you would think he would with younger women. That's his whole deal, right? You know, I, I don't think it's actually so much that, like, it doesn't work because they don't have enough chemistry. I think it just doesn't work because that kind of relationship you could play off in a movie if the movie had nuance. Like, if this was a movie mm-hmm. that you had room right. for, like, a gray area middle ground, like, you could kind of explore how weird that is and maybe say something profound. But, like, it's Sin City, and every other good part of this movie in, in comics is, like, there is no nuance. It's just blunt force, like, dope shit. So to have to kind of slow the narrative up to be like, oh, you want to explore this, like, kind of complicated, uncomfortable reality? Like, nah, I just want to go back to Punching Cops. Yeah, uh, well, that's funny because my last note on this is that it's just a cycle. It's a it's a masculinity psychodrama. Like it's just about yes. Like I I am uncomfortable with the generation that's coming after me. I am uncomfortable with the, the idea that I'm not the man I used to be. I'm uncomfortable with the fact that like women aren't going to love me, and it's playing into all these like different fears. That this generation of dude, like, this kind of, like, boomer dude is going to have. And, you know, Gen Xers also. And, you know, probably Millennials at some point. But, like, the people that are going through it in that in that age that have just, like, I'm about to die. And I feel my power slipping away from me. And this is just, like, you know, Hardigan is the ultimate representation of that, you know? Marv yeah, is about given, Marv is about the rage and Hardigan's about the surrender. They're they're given this perfect avatar of all the evils in the world to finally destroy in the yellow bastard. Yeah, but I mean he doesn't like, though. Like even if he kills the yellow bastard, he, he like Hardigan is acknowledging I'm not gonna stop anything. Like Dom said earlier, like he, he knows he can't stop it. He he doesn't even really want to try. He just wants to protect the one girl that he thinks he can save, which is the ultimate form of like patriarchy. <laughs> like, yes. yeah, I can't stop anything. I can't, I can't stop the other men, but I can maybe help this one woman. If I, you know, put my, it's all about, into it. it's about, uh, protecting this one woman's virginity. Yeah. Or basically you know, kind of yeah. virginity, but yeah. Well, I mean, and it's interesting, too, because it's like Marv, you're right, Marv is like the rage, and then like Hardigan's like the surrender, and then I feel like Dwight's like the conflict. Dwight's like the the guy who like is sort of like in, in the middle of those two states, and they each have yeah. like a corresponding villain, like Marv has, you know, uh, just a weird like karate cannibal, and then Hardigan has like a pedophile, and then <laughs> Dwight has like an abusive cop, you know, like an abusive like cop spouse. Uh, and Manu, it, I mean, but, by the way... Is it is it racist to just have Michael Clark Duncan as a villain because he's sick? But the imagery is always like you know a little a little unsettling. Yeah, it's. I mean the Dwight the the Dwight scene uh like 
um, Benicio del, del Toro's gang is like the most ethnic amount of people you see in the in the in the movie. Yeah, it's true. Like, <laughs> the, like the, the the black characters are part of his posse. Yeah, that's um, a true Rainbow Coalition of Duncan. <laughs> yeah, the Rainbow Coalition is in Benicio del Toro's car harassing Gilmore Girl. That, you know, and they all get murked by Mijo. That really does sound like our group chat. <laughs> that is not the case uh, it's a great place where with great people positively reinforcing each other's uh art the 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 minute stuff in this movie is very weird to me because michael Hart duncan is so warm and like cuddly that yeah. him being like this menacing monster doesn't work and then in a dame to kill for because michael clark duncan was dead uh, it's Dennis Haysbert as Manute. Rest in peace. It's the guy from like the Allstate commercials. Oh, so, for real? Yes, and he also is not <laughs> Just scary. Just the two warmest people. Yeah, it's like you guys couldn't. I mean, I, I I don't know if that's sort of like an intentional like man. It really sucks that we have this like character who's like sort of a stereotypical like Mandingo. What if we got like a nice guy to play him, and it's like that's almost makes it worse yeah. somehow. It that almost, almost makes it Clark worse. Duncan. But Michael he's Clark so Duncan, you know, in the... going back to Kingpin, though, he, I mean, like, the Daredevil, he's also Kingpin in that. And I felt like it was weird to have that around the same time where he's just, like, you know, a big, intimidating black dude who, you know, like, what we know him from is the Green Mile. <laughs> he's, like, the opposite of that. Yeah. Yeah, he's, like, this big, sweet dude crying and stuff and sucking out people's ills or whatever. So and he's so sweet that in the, in the Dwight story when he's like torturing rosario dawson he just looks more like a chiropractor who's really fixing up <laughs> rosario's neck situation i'm like this looks good i feel like i could use a little bit of that like i feel like i could pay him for like an hour of him doing that to my neck yeah it's, it looks comforting so yeah it ends with uh dwight killing himself yeah Mar- sorry hardigan hardigan uh uh-huh. he has to make a compromise to let the girl go or whatever and uh, he shoots himself in the head, which is not in the comic. He dies a different way. I can't remember. But uh, they took that from... Is it a Dwight story? Like, somebody else does that death, but it's not him. Oh, I don't remember that. Uh, I'll, I'll, you know what? Ignore that. Forget I said that, because I don't remember right now either. I should have wrote it in my notes if I was going to say it. Um, uh... But yeah, any other thoughts about the movie? I mean, like, because that's the ending of it. It's kind of like a... Like I said, it's kind of Kafka-esque where it's just like a, you know, just a Russian misery story of just like this guy yeah, who's talking about wakes up in prison and doesn't the know suffering, why, you know? All the suffering that uh, they put Hardigan through. Like, one of my favorite ones is when uh, the Yellow Bastard actually has him, like, hanging uh, in the middle of the hotel room. And, like, Bruce, Bruce Willis is, like, tippy-toeing on a coffee table uh, and the yellow bastard slaps the coffee table away, and this is it. He's going to die. And I love that Frank Miller kind of fantasizes that, that, that you can, like, fight getting hung. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's this whole sequence of him, like, swinging and then, like, curling his body like, up. Yeah, and, like, just keep your neck tight. That's not how necks You can work. do it. Just start swinging. Like, you can – you're tied up completely. All you need to do is really – like anyone who's ever died from getting hung is just a wimp, and they didn't think about it. They, they just didn't fight it enough. So wimp move. I think, I think the thing I want to say yeah. about Sin City as a whole is like, 
I, I love that this movie does such a good job translating Frank Miller's imagery and his tone and his like style because it allows for all of the weird things in the movie, like like specifically that hanging scene, to play. Beautiful shot. It plays because like that's how Frank Miller's art makes you feel. Like it's it's not yeah. realistic. It's a little bit different because of, like the 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 style of Frank Miller's stuff really comes through as you're watching it in a way that like other comic book adaptations just completely miss. Like. Other than 300 and sword of Watchmen, like, no other movie after Sin City did this. Except Sin City 2 and sort of the spirit, but that movie's, like, really bad. Uh, so, I just... Is Sin City 2 Robert Yeah, Rodriguez? yeah, it's still him, yeah. It's, 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 nearly, okay. it's nearly as good in terms of quality, I think, but, like, re-watching this, I was like, it's such a bummer that they don't make more movies like this. Like, like this specific yeah. style of just trying to, like you know, recapture someone's style on film. Like, it could be so much more fun. I think it's so much cooler than, like, a lot of the plot-heavy stuff. Like, just capturing those images, blowing them up, making them bigger, making them move. Like, it seems like such a wasted opportunity. Yeah, well, uh, Battle Angel did you see that? Yeah, I loved it. I was crazy about it. I loved it, too. And it's, that's pretty... That was a really good one. That's also pretty straight to the comics. The only thing that I thought was weird about that is the way it's structured is, like, there's three volumes of manga that they just put they like just kind of frankenstein it into one story so you have like three beginnings three middles and three ends but you never really have like it it, it, it just feels kind of bumpy but it's great you know but it also like tries to capture those things but nothing really as straightforward as this because you know he's just like they seem to care so much about like getting it that that vision you know yeah and like i think that level of auteurship it doesn't exist anymore like to, to that degree, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, it's and it's only really possible because it's Robert Rodriguez. Like, he didn't have to really, like, hardcore convince mm-hmm. the studio to spend $100 million on this. Like, it's not a super expensive movie. He has his own, like, you know, soundstage and all that shit. Like, I, I, that's one of my favorite things about Rodriguez as a guy is, like, his entire vibe, his process, how he works is just, like, so cool. Like, it's... Yeah, yeah, and 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 he had been perfecting the techniques that he used for this movie. Like this is like Spy Kids. Yeah, adults. basically. And, and I wish he got to do um, more of that. Yeah, he uh, like, the way he worked that world, the way he built, and like the way he used the actors and built scenes. You can like draw a clear line to what he ended up doing in this movie. He's got such a just clear like vision for like pacing and like rhythm of of like movies you know mm-hmm. and like it's almost like sometimes the the script doesn't really matter that's why like <laughs> like as much as like the weirdo like frank miller aspects of this are like crazy like it doesn't really matter because he's such just like a, a good director of like just like pacing and stuff to me that it it really doesn't matter what the story is like I'm probably gonna enjoy it if he did it. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah. Like I literally, and that's why. What's up? That's why this movie works be- way better than Frank Miller doing the Spirit. If we ever get a chance to do like a sequel episode in which we're talking about the Spirit, all the things that work really well here are because Robert Rodriguez has that dominion. Right. Of well, the Spirit rhythm, is the aesthetics of devoid of the of the of the skill like of making a movie well it's it's twofold yes. though it's, it's it's one that robert Rodriguez's actual skills of filmmaker is missing and also the fact that they're not adapting like sin city works because it's they're adapting frank miller's comics the spirit is yeah. frank mm-hmm. miller adapting eisner comics like their frank miller comics and none of the stuff in that movie feels like any of eisner's strips 
Yeah, but I don't like. I don't really care about that. Like, as long as the story is good, I don't really care if it doesn't feel like Will Eisner. Like, you know what I mean? Because it's not like contract with God or anything. The spirit was just like it was just a comic thing that he did. Like, I don't think it. To me, that's not as as important. But that's just me personally. Well, no, I'm not saying like it's yeah. like oh we have to like you know like uh, capture capture Eisner and yeah. Amber or something. More just that I don't think Frank Miller's style fits those stories very well. It's like very jarring. Yeah, I guess, I but guess it we'll really find feels out. like after Sin City, uh, Frank Miller uh, uh, was really feeling himself about what Sin City became, which is why he was like, "Yeah, I'll just do exactly this for the spirit. It won't, no problem." I think that like with Sin City, it was it was the last time when you could kind of do whatever you wanted like that with these movies, with like this IP. I mean, you know what I mean, like with comic books of that level. Because now mm-hmm. all of these things are being sold off like kind of wholesale. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like there's not that level of of ownership for the creators, even when they when they do do it. Because you know the studios that are buying them up, they don't give a fuck. They're just like, yeah, who made it? Who cares? We got we got this director or this screenwriter who sold a movie like three years ago. And we need to get him on the thing. It's just like the business of it is so weird. And this is at a time where you would sell that kind of thing without without it being like, oh, of course they sold, optioned that, you know? Yeah, without the expectation to make an Avengers out of it. Or just um, anything. Like, yeah, I mean, to be, you know, to be entirely honest, like, if they made Sin City today and these movies never existed, Sin City would be, like, a limited series on, like, Amazon Prime. It would be on, like, grayscale black and white with, like, a bunch of, like, no-name CW yeah. actors. It would be, like, it would just be bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because that's how that's how they do these kind of things. Like, you know, that's how they would do, like, you know, the uh, Deadly Class or what's the Gerard Way one? Like Umbrella Academy has that kind of vibe to it. Yeah, Umbrella, Umbrella Academy. Academy. Like all these. That's like pure algorithm oh. production. Yeah, and this was before like the comic book industry became like a secondary part of like movie studios, <laughs> which is now kind of what it is. But you know, when those fucking original comics came out, this motherfucker was like, "I'm gonna fucking." change the world with this shit. I'm going to fucking make whatever I want and I don't care about movies because he specifically hated fucking movies. You know? He like, he had such a miserable time on RoboCop. He was like, I just can't do this shit anymore. <laughs> like, so I think, I think it's fascinating to look at it as that from a mo- from a, like a comic book fan standpoint and from a movie standpoint, it's just like a dude who's like, all right, I'm just going to like try to change movies by making this like completely digital like worlds that these people are going to inhabit. And like that was before people did that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like the, this is sort of like a transition between like, uh, the Lucas method, which started with like with the clone war stuff, uh, to work in that sort of like green screen fashion. Uh, but this is when that, that methods veered into what, what the 300, style movies would would become and eventually like every single sort of big tent movie at this point but after the but you know to to take it back to there though like Zack snyder is taking control of that artorship with this justice league thing Mm -hmm. and i think that's what's so exciting about it and like that's why i kind of like i'm not like annoyed with people who are like anti-snyder cooks i get it a lot of the people that want it are toxic but i think it's funny how people will trust like Warner Brothers to do a better job at it than the director who started working on it. 
Yeah, it's weird that a lot of people are, they have like these sort of like toxic opinions about this movie just because they don't like the people that are winning by getting it. And it's like, so you're just going to decide you don't care about like an artist's rights anymore and you're going to side with the studio because you don't like a guy on Twitter. Like it's just, it's crazy to me. Like this dude, yeah. this dude's like daughter killed herself and that's why he couldn't finish the movie. And now he gets to finish it and help build this like new streaming platform that's like a win-win and like yeah i guess some chuds are gonna like get to be excited about it but like well whatever what else do they have in their lives you know what i mean like i'm not gonna be worried about that <laughs> whose side are they even on like joss whedon or do they want to like keep standing the well i think people part? just don't like that movie because superman broke somebody's neck like three movies ago yeah it's, it's like, basically that they're... like i didn't like that scene either but i mean like i moved on with my life you know like <laughs> yeah uh, but it's it's an interesting thing. Like just the the idea now that I, I that I try to get to is like it's inherent that when somebody makes a movie or I mean, a comic that at some point that's going to be owned by somebody else and they're going to get to tell that story. Like all the Justice League stuff, all of all the Marvel stuff. Like people go into that with the with the understanding that this is a conglomerate owned thing. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And Sin mm-hmm. City was just not that. Like, no studio would make that because you kill off the most important bankable character in the movie, fucking Marv. Dwight? No, Marv. Dwight no, Marv is the most bankable guy in the movie. They recast Dwight. Dwight doesn't even matter. <laughs> but but I, I like Dwight. I'm just saying. But anyways, uh, I don't want to go any too much longer, take any more of your time, Dom, but it's really great having you on. Um, yeah, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Start yeah. wrapping it up. Yeah. So, uh, where can they find you at? Talk about your pod, your YouTube channel. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe? So, uh, you, I mean, I can be found on Twitter at All New Dom on YouTube. My channel is called The Armchair Outdoors. Do movie reviews, short video essays, stuff like that. Like, it, this is not like a trailer reaction, fun co pop background kind of movie critic thing. It's more I try to be like not grading. And uh, I'm also yeah. Yeah. I'm also on another podcast called Late Fees. Where we're just talking about movies like every two weeks uh, with a couple other really cool guys. So um, those are all the places oh, you I've can. I've never been on it. So <laughs> those are the places you can <laughs> find me uh, on the internet. Yeah, uh, I really loved your your review of the thriller. Oh, thank you. Video. <laughs> yeah, I watched your I watched your review of uh, the X the, the New Mutants movie. Oh, yeah, that movie was this morning. That was a that, uh, that existed. It happened. <laughs> There's no, I don't think there's any deep themes to mine from that though, is there? Like for us? No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't plan on watching it, but maybe if you said like, "Oh, check it out," maybe. God no, no, you're, you're totally good. It, it sounds like it's just dumb, so I'm just gonna continue to pretend it doesn't exist. Um, yeah. Uh, thanks again so much, Daniel. Where can they find you? Uh, Twitter, Instagram at Daniel Irizarry. I at the end, not a Y. Uh, and yeah uh, I'm usually uh, posting in one way or another <laughs> Yo, and uh, you can follow me at Ramon Villalobos on Twitter and everywhere else I guess um, yeah thank you very much and take it away hell yeah babies yeah.